0: Diane, it's 6.54 p.m.
1: Welcome to another episode of Twin Peaks Peaks. We are going to be talking about Drive with a Dead Girl, which is the eighth episode of season two. Uh, my name is Ashley Brandt.
0: My name is Matthew Olson. Hello. Hello, listeners.
1: <laughs> Was that your radio voice?
0: No, my radio voice is much more um, kind of, shrill and nasally um just imagine imagine me doing an ira glass impersonation and now i don't have to do the bit there we go bit bit imagined successfully
1: all about efficiency
0: mm-hmm.
1: um speaking of efficiency, imagine we
0: do an episode of the podcast all right tune in next week <laughs> anyway. well you
1: stole the bit right out of my mouth Sorry. um speaking of efficiency there is no Revival news this week because Showtime has not released any information officially besides Kyle MacLachlan's casting.
0: Yep. So, it's being made somewhere maybe. Or maybe they're not currently making it right now. Maybe they're in between bouts of making it. Who knows? Who knows?
1: Seems like they're making it,
0: but we don't we don't officially know that. No, we, only we don't. Unofficially know that. So, you can find that information, it's out there in places, um, waiting for your, uh, your eager eyes, but we're not going to talk about any of that today. We're going to talk about this episode.
1: So this is the first episode after the reveal of the killer. Um, And we do open on kind of a shot from the last episode. But the thing that I want to highlight is that this episode in some significant ways, particularly one significant way, uh, feels different from most episodes of Twin Peaks. Can you guess what I'm going to talk about?
0: Mm, I have have some personal thoughts as to how it feels different, but um, I doubt we're thinking the same thing. So lay it on me.
1: So, there are a couple of scenes where we follow Leland as he exits from one scene where he's interacting with someone to a private moment with Leland, and this is obviously very important for establishing that Bob is possessing Leland in the aftermath of his murder of Maddie, Um, but we don't really get this um, in most other episodes of Twin Peaks because it's so ensemble and relationship-based. Um, I think this is something that we would see more if Twin Peaks was being made in a post-Lost era by a different filmmaker. Um, This is something that I think we see more commonly in um, dramas now because it's a little more singularly character-driven. You get a little more um, interiority with characters and you spend more private moments with these characters. So that felt really distinct to me
0: why specifically a post lost era do you feel like lost either overemphasized um, its ensemble nature or actually like indulged in these one-off character moments i don't I don't remember well enough to have an opinion myself
1: um, I think since lost aired we've seen a lot more um, TV shows specifically dramas do the like Focus on one character per episode format, oh,
0: okay. um, which
1: is I think where we really see these moments. You see it a ton in orange is the new black. Um, these moments where you're in a scene and then you follow a character and see their reaction to the scene, which shapes your understanding of their interiority
0: right though i will I will say that technically you are incorrect we're not seeing a scene uh, where we follow one person. Maybe we're following two people. Maybe well, a person depends. possessed by another person or a person-like entity. Maybe just 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 a little nitpick.
1: Depends on how you think possession works.
0: That is that is what I wanted to get to at some point in this episode was how we think uh, Bob inhabits Leland. Um, we can talk about that really at any point. I I felt like this episode um, uh, just generally, and I think. I think what you bring up definitely is is some of what maybe is is making me feel certain ways about the episode but it's it definitely smacks of yep you just watched the the climax of this storyline and this is one of those episodes that is kind of building towards just the the finishing the finishing touches on it um It reminded me of the episode immediately following uh, the big climax in Breaking Bad, where it's like, oh, we need to just, like, kind of slow things down and um, take in the immediate aftermath. But that's not going to be anywhere near as exciting or intriguing or terrifying or any of these as what you just witnessed, so
1: right and that's the nature of a climax but i think the argument here would be that the climax has kind of occurred prematurely and that we're left with too much denouement that's not building towards anything
0: yeah yep i mean just you wait and see <laughs> with the, the, the heights that we are not building towards
1: okay i should specify because i'm sh- maybe people don't actually care this much but we've been talking a lot about how there are episodes that I haven't seen before. I have seen this episode before. I've seen the next episode before, and I stopped partway through the episode following Arbitrary Law.
0: Oh, I really, i can't wait to hear what, what scene you were just like nah at.
1: It wasn't. It wasn't a specific scene. It was like I just stopped that episode. I like went to do something else, and I came back a year later, and I was like. Oh. You I, came back what? a whole
0: year later. A whole year passed and you're and like, then, wait a minute.
1: And then I, I like tried to watch it and just didn't ever finish it.
0: Hmm. Hmm. I hope that the same doesn't happen on the podcast. I don't want the podcast to end prematurely. It's just like halfway through recording the episode, you just like vanish <laughs> and I'm just like, Well <laughs> Okay. Guess 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 it's over now. Um, where do you want to start? What do you, what, what,
1: uh, well, I mean, you just, we kind of landed on the nature of possession, and I think that's a good kind of big picture thing to start with. Like, this is kind of like, you know, Leland's episode or Bob's episode where we're really with him and like the mechanism of possession. So I think that would be a good place to start.
0: All right. Um, I cannot uh, decide. Whether or not I think Bob is controlling Leland's uh, actions and words to a, like a one-to-one, this is Bob speaking. This is Bob dancing and pretending to be Fred Astaire. This is Bob going out for a, a round of golf, or if uh, if it's more. Like a like to Leland's experience a kind of subconscious process where Leland's appetites and and behaviors are heightened to a certain extent, but that inside he doesn't know why he's doing the thing he's things he's doing like he is being pushed or pulled in a certain direction but not being fully taken over by Bob because if it's the latter, then it's just like what how much of that character is always Bob has been Bob in previous episodes, et cetera.
1: Right. And there was some discussion of this on the usenet boards. And I found it interesting because, um, some people were taking note of specific scenes and specific moments, um, and making this argument that in that moment you could see through, you know, Ray wise's performance that Leland was, was kind of surfacing or like having a moment of recognition through, um what was like a total possession of his body by bob um the scenes that they pointed to were the were the car scene the argument being that leland is the one you know swinging the car around and he wants okay. to be discovered and wants to, you know to get bob out of him um the other scene being when um he addresses tie in front of the mirror and that there's a look of confusion Mm. um when he looks in the mirror and i thought that was interesting because i hadn't previously thought of um bob's possession as so total but i think that you know from what we know about the diary of laura palmer bob has been with leland for so long that it's entirely possible that they've become so ingratiated that it's hard to separate the two
0: yeah um
1: and kind of one thing that I would be interested in is um, Bob kind of, like, coming around to the things that Leland likes. Like, Bob, like, likes playing golf now.
0: Hmm. hmm. That's
1: just, like, a me thing. I, I'm just interested in maybe, Bob experiencing the pleasures of bourgeoisie capitalism.
0: Or maybe Bob, or, sorry, maybe Leland never liked golf. And it's always been a Bob pastime. I mean, he's been possessed, supposedly, having been, having been uh like you know having interacted with Bob at a young age for a long time. So unless Leland was out on the green at age five, maybe this is always just a uh, an otherworldly possession type uh pastime. For, yeah. The other for that thing that duad duad dyad. Duo? One what What?
1: What are you trying to
0: I don't know what I'm saying. Doodad? Doodad. Yeah, for that doodad. Bob and Leland combined constitute a doodad and read my dissertation to learn more.
1: (laughs) Um, The other thing that I think is interesting is, you know, there's obviously this change in Leland's behavior after Laura's death um, that I think we kind of get the best evidence of through Ben's reaction to Leland. They go from like partners in crime to ben really wanting nothing to do with leland because his behavior is so bizarre so the question i think is is that change in behavior due to bob becoming more dominant and leland kind of shrinking away from you know his exteriority or is this leland's cry for help through bob
0: yeah um i don't feel strongly one way or the other i don't have like a a head cannon for this um as it were but i think i think it's the type of thing that uh a show like this in a a good way would never go too far down the road of answering yeah but at the same time that uh, would be
1: that would be like a a game of thrones
0: the implication of any any strong gesture towards an answer would be huge would it would mean a lot but i think that all we can do is scratch our chins and speculate and yeah "Hmm."
1: i think um
0: and and appreciate ray wise's performance regardless oh my
1: god he's incredible he's
0: so good this episode but like
1: again just imagining like other versions of twin peaks like there's a version out there where it's like all about the mythology of bob and mike and it's all about like the exposition and i feel like that's very that's like a game of thrones version of twin peaks
0: I've been watching a lot, a lot of X-Files again now. I've picked it back up. Yeah. Um, and I really do, like, one great thing this show could have done uh, with the remainder of its run would have been to just become more like the X-Files. Just send oh. Cooper and Harry out into town <laughs> to solve a different, like, mysterious going on every week and then occasionally just hit people with like a two or three parter of just like the nitty grittiest plot elements. Uh, Instead of try to get people invested um, in whatever the fuck James and Donna are doing. Cause you already tried that (laughs) twin peaks and it didn't work for me. (laughs) Anyway, Real.
1: real, um, comment and let us know your version of an alternate twin peaks
0: yeah what tv show would you most like to see twin peaks emulate
1: <gasps> keeping up with the kardashians
0: okay um that's having a hard time trying to reconcile that one
1: it's all about the palmer women this is like pre lauras death all about like sarah and laura and maddie and donna is like the malika of this show so she's just like always around and her thing her little bio tag always says like so and so's best friend and she like there's no reason for her to be there except to add more drama
0: hello welcome to the k-hole my name is taylor legrand <laughs> that's a different show with ashley on it you should go listen to it let's talk about um i did Unless I'm making a, a Scott Disick joke, I don't have anything to say about the Kardashians. So, let's.
1: <gasps> Bobby would be a really good Scott Disick. That's
0: true. I can agree with that sentiment. <laughs> uh, let's talk about uh, our our uh, Bobby Shelley tomato sauce moment this episode.
1: <laughs> First of all, gross. Yeah,
0: yeah. That's that's. I mean, that's uh, the essence of what I wanted to say. Like we we get a peek at you know bobby's plan to to get uh get some money out of ben horn which really like i don't really feel for ben but he's getting kind of he's getting shat on in all directions this episode (laughs) even by even by bobby who despite being one of my faves has not proven to be very competent thus far (laughs) Um,
1: and that's why he needs snake there to you know yes. really streamline these plans
0: yeah uh his presence um greatly helps it's really the focus uh that mike brings uh with the letterman jacket just like the presence <laughs> of that really just draws in the the mind's uh energy
1: brings in a different energy i don't know what i'm saying
0: anyway uh, yeah, it's just gross. Like, I love you, Bobby and Shelly, but this is like, this is worse somehow. It's almost harder to watch than the 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 birthday cake scene or like the, oh, it's, the party. It's harder scene. to watch yeah, than it's that. Just,
1: that scene is cinematic. This is just like nasty.
0: It's just gross. And isn't some of that supposed to be uh, Leo's spit up? <laughs> like, isn't that the implication? Or is it just that he like
1: knocked it over. out, and knocked
0: over yeah i don't
1: given what we've seen of like leo drooling on I'm himself guessing spit up yeah that okay why would you lick tomato sauce off of your partner even with your that's nasty and you like know it came out of leo's mouth you really do and even if bobby isn't smart enough to make that connection shelly should stop him and say that's disgusting i'm going to shower
0: yeah we can we can resume this after i babe please babe stop babe stop it's not okay it's kind of gross you know i'm not into this anyway uh that's that's your bobby and shelly update for the week they don't really do a whole lot this episode
1: bobby was also wearing a bandana is that a look i don't know if it's a look but it reminds me of chris maloney's character in wet hot american summer
0: ah yeah. Which, like, endears
1: well. me to the look, but <laughs> I don't know if it truly is a look.
0: Yeah. You know, a uh, a dollar store Dana Ashbrook got off my bus yesterday. Really? Um, yeah, he was on my bus. I didn't see him until he was already disembarking. And I was like, you know, he should definitely be Bobby Briggs for a Halloween. Because like, he had the hair and everything. So he
1: was, like, a 1990 1990- dana ashbrook not a current dana ashbrook no no both are great but i just needed to know
0: but also not like fully there like dollar store dana ashbrook like the 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 jawline is not quite there the the you know i didn't get a good look at the eyes but probably probably not as dreamy you know just yeah. not quite there, but definitely worthy of a Halloween costume.
1: So if Matt's mysterious bus passenger is listening, just work on those things. Yeah,
0: just um, get some work done, I guess. And uh, I don't know. Focus. Smize. Try smizing more.
1: Bobby really has the smize down.
0: Yeah, Tyra, Tyra would be proud. Um, that's a, that a whole different rabbit hole that we don't need to go down <laughs> the television um though do tell us if you would like to see <laughs> twin peaks boys in the house uh yeah uh, get cooper to uh, boots that t- i don't know i've never actually seen a full episode of that show i'm just regurgitating things i know from elsewhere moving on so you've
1: seen parts of that show
0: i have i've seen many clips from that show that's for damn sure <laughs> youtube's a wonderful place um
1: so let's talk about our dumbass ass uh, James and Donna moment.
0: Uh, okay. You, I, you, Feel free to, to lead the charge on this one. I don't have much to say other than, like, I'm glad that we didn't see a lot of them this episode. That's
1: true. But they show up at Leland's house, and he is hitting some golf balls into his living room. And I want to say, having grown up around golf, shouts out to my brother who plays D2 college golf. Um he's hitting those balls really hard with a high caliber club indoors obviously on the set there was not a wall there but honestly a window should have been broken it was it just not normal behavior very unhinged yeah in any case james and donna show up and they're like where is maddie we forgot about her while we were making eyes at each other at the roadhouse last night
0: and then donna got really sad all of a sudden (laughs) it was really strange but we like ignored it and moved on because we're not in touch with our own feelings and intuition
1: and then leland's like oh she was at the bus stop and then he like really guilt trips them he's like you know she was she felt she was disappointed that you guys weren't there
0: do you think this is bob fucking with james and donna because in that case <laughs> Do you i think- might be team bob in that one solitary instance what
1: i want to believe is that leland has never liked donna and he's just made comments like this <laughs> throughout her whole life <laughs> um, I, I
0: i like either of those those ideas
1: but he's like he's like where were you guys or whatever or something and james just smirks he's like yeah we didn't hang out with Maddie last night we were together care about us and it's just like no that's yeah. not the reaction you're supposed to have
0: no sorry James you are still the worst and I'm glad I wonder I wonder how it feels to be uh, the person who played a Twin Peaks character that is not fondly remembered
1: <laughs> what is James Marshall doing these days
0: I have no earthly idea. But that's a I mean, that's aside from the point, I guess. We can stop hating on James and Donna now because we don't have anything more to talk about hey. this episode. So uh. But a
1: beloved character did return this episode.
0: Do you mean my my fave? I do mean your fave. You mean Jerry <laughs> Jerry Horn um yeah david patrick kelly fucking knocking it out of the park uh in his scenes uh with richard bamer um i fuck i love love that he graduated last in his class at gonzaga that's a great little character deep right there uh and just seeing him sweat under cooper's like interrogation room gaze is awesome uh and also just like a i recommend you get a better lawyer so good so good because Jerry doesn't actually think that highly of himself. What's what makes Jerry a great weasel is that Jerry knows how weasely he is. Like it's like he followed his older brother Ben's example growing up while also being distanced enough to know man, my older brother is like kind of a dipshit. And this means I'm a dipshit, too. But I'm going to just embrace it. YOLO. <laughs> Give me a baguette filled with pre <laughs> and butter, please um but yeah he's he is, he does not think too highly of himself uh and i love that anyway you got you got anything to say about it? we should talk about the the fucking hold on the
1: dance scene because i have something before the dance scene you
0: have something before the. it's dance. a really Go. small thing all right
1: but when when jerry hugs ben and he says since your regular mouthpiece has been charged with murder i'm going to be handling your case personally um, His delivery of that line For some reason was really funny to me
0: I mean he's just the greatest
1: <laughs> But also the idea That like Leland is like Ben's mouthpiece Also gives us so much insight Into mm-hmm. their working relationship Before the show started
0: True very true
1: Or before the events of the show Jerry
0: is normally not the mouthpiece Because I think you can guess why I think you can probably tell why Jerry Is not normally the go-to
1: but there's also this, like, I feel like this wink about, like, the fact that Leland and Ben have both been charged with murder and there's just, like, murder charges flying around Twin Peaks right now.
0: Yeah. Man. But also probably lots of uh, lots of other murders happening that we know nothing about. That's probably, true. If I had that's to guess. True.
1: And now the only lawyer in town has been charged with murder as well. So.
0: Well, that's unfortunate, isn't it?
1: Gonna really gum up the uh, court system at the roadhouse there.
0: Yeah, every every three months when the when the uh, judge comes through town, faces himself a f- disgusting looking alcoholic beverage.
1: I forgot what that was called. Do you remember?
0: No, I don't. I just know that you wanted to do it, wanted to I that, and I still want to make
1: that. I do.
0: Well, I look forward to getting a Snapchat of you making that, because <laughs> um, I probably won't be there maybe? I don't know. Um Louise Dombrowski dancing on the hook rug with a flashlight. What do you think of this moment, Ashley? I don't know what I think of this moment.
1: It's cr- well, okay. So there's clearly like some kind of like self-infantilization going on because there's like this moment where they get into the bunk beds and like Jerry's on top and he's like there's a moment of like childishness to it. Um it's really, it's really weird. And people on the Usenet boards were drawing some comparisons between the actress and that scene and Audrey, which I thought was interesting. Hmm. Just visually.
0: Okay. I feel like, I feel like the...
1: That scene also went on for a really long time. It goes on
0: for a really long time. Uh, They're doing some interesting things there with, um with the cutaways or cut betweens with uh sort of you know individual perception or with time where the the shot focusing on her dancing is like the the frame rate is like not not altered or lowered but you know it's kind of choppy Mm -hmm. intentionally uh versus the very like you know uh normal speed, but then it's kind of the swimmy effect of the flashlight over young Ben and Jerry. Mm-hmm. Um, it is like, it is a weirdly, it is, it is a weirdly conventional, almost like conventionally dreamlike sequence. Yeah. Like it seems like a little on the nose for this show in yeah. a weird way. And I think like it, like it just, I love the line. Like the line has just like, a um, a quality on the tongue that I enjoy. Louise Dombrowski dancing on the hook rug with a flashlight but also it seems like then like someone wrote that down and was like we gotta show that right (laughs) like we have to show that we can't just like have them like remember this like moment and not show it and it's like or you could I just don't
1: well and I it's i also feel like it could have been different had david lynch been directing this episode or Herman right. Peyton or someone who we've seen kind of do the lynchian dream sequences before but this is the first episode that caleb de chanel has directed yeah so i think we might be seeing a different visual influence
0: yeah but it just doesn't it doesn't do a lot for me i don't really know exactly what it's trying to convey other than like yeah ben and and jerry um like probably you know had some weird experiences uh together as as brothers at a young age that have like somehow or another put them on this path to to one of them being charged with murder like i don't know like
1: well i mean i am interested in this idea of like the representation of like feminine sexuality especially for like you know cis straight boys from a young age um the parallels drawn between like this figure and audrey visually or what have you but i'm not totally like there isn't another strong theme to connect it to it seems like it it's kind of floundering
0: it's just a total aside and then it lasts for like long enough where you're like i get it i get it show me show me lucy's sister or something and, like, else something new Was this
1: was this like the man from another place just like hanging out i would have been down to watch that for just as long
0: oh okay yeah
1: but there's something nothing comes of it and it's not it's not that nothing comes of it and you can meditate on it and think about what it means it's just kind of like okay it's a dream this is a girl got it let's get going
0: can you imagine drake dancing on the hook rug with a flashlight (laughs)
1: wow i'm so into that
0: mm-hmm. think about it that's the next that's the next one that's have, the video. wait
1: have you seen the hotline bling like there is a, a video where hotline bling is overlaid yes. um yes. the man from another yes. planet that okay. is
0: that is the parallel i was drawing there that'll be the the hook rug with the flashlight that'll be the video for big rings
1: just, i want to see the reverse if someone made the reverse yet where it's drake but overlaid with like
0: I bet I bet that's happened. Please a lot send of people, that to
1: me if you have
0: it. A lot of people I love the one that's uh <laughs> where it cut it so it's the Cosby show introduction. Yes. <laughs> it's it's a little it's a little too perfect. Um anyway.
1: But that but Hotline Bling works with the dance from Hotline Bling works with any tempo song.
0: Yeah. Which is just like you know, we've 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 hit a point where I think music videos can just be churned out that are like yep this is the thing this is we we've cracked it somewhere ibm's watson has algorithmically cracked what will make a popular music video and like a like a viral hit and then drake was like cool yeah i just have to dance around in some fake james terrell rooms okay nice. that's but-
1: I don't think people care about music videos that much anymore. So I think Hotline Bling is a little exemplary in that sense, but we can move on. I think
0: people have been caring about music videos more and more recently. What? Like, think about Bitch Better Have My Money. Like, think about That was
1: several months ago, and it faded away much faster than Hotline Bling.
0: I. Like, several months ago, like, I'm not talking about, like, people have cared much more in the last two weeks. Like, yeah, that would be obviously a shitty argument. I think music videos are. Reemerging as a thing because of YouTube, but this is for a different type like, of show. Okay, you've
1: got Hotline Bling and you've got Bitch Better Have My Money, and they're about six months apart and like maybe equal in popularity, but that's still two mi- music videos in a year.
0: I'm not saying like there's uh, the, lots the of heyday. huge hit ones. I'm saying there's a, a focus on producing them and creating interesting ones because that's how a lot of people are going to like. You're going to reach a lot more people with a at least moderately shareable uh, music video than you are to just drop the album anymore, it seems. I um,
1: disagree because I think in the TRL era, more unknown artists were being discovered because of music videos, whereas now it's established artists who are able to command the budget necessary to make those like interesting, shareable, jiffable music videos. And I think that's a huge difference.
0: But that's just to a different end. That's just that's just saying music videos were more important then because it would be, like, a, a step onto the scene for different artists. But I'm just saying, like, people care about them again. Whereas in, like, the mid-2000s, music videos, I think, were, like, more or less dead for everybody. Because there was no... Because TRL got canceled, and everybody cried, and... Then move past it, and you couldn't put a video on your MySpace page. You could only put blingies on. So,
1: I still don't think people care about music videos, but let us know if you care about music videos. Moving on.
0: Cool. So, either your mom or my mom will tell us whether or not they care about music videos. <laughs> also, what TV shows they want Twin Peaks to be like. We're going to get like a lot of texts on our phones about those subjects.
1: I mean, the big question is when is my mom gonna be gonna start texting you, and when is your mom gonna start texting me?
0: Well, that depends. When are you gonna be a bad friend and give your mom my phone number? Are you gonna do me dirty, Ashley? Are you gonna pull a Donna on me <laughs> and just betray me, betray the shit out of me?
1: The only reason I'm gonna say no is because you are not the Laura in this friendship.
0: Whoa. <laughs> Wow, that doesn't
1: mean you have to be the Donna, but I am not Donna, and you are not Laura.
0: Yeah, I'm Jerry Horn, <laughs> last in my class at Gonzaga. That's not true. Go, go Zags! I don't know.
1: Anyway, um, let's talk about Lucy's sister Gwen.
0: Okay, I don't have a lot to say. Not a not a totally ineffectual like comic character, like the. There's a great scene with her this episode with her and Lucy and Andy, but like also just like, but why though?
1: <laughs> yeah. No, she was... Okay. The actress was really well cast. Someone pointed out on Usenet that she sounds more like Andy than she sounds like Lucy in terms of content of speech. Huh. Okay. Um. But also... They uh, the writer for this episode clearly took advantage of having a new character to wink at the audience and be like our writing for Hawk has been racist.
0: Yep. That's oh. a good that's a good call out. It's true. Some of my some, some of, my of my best, best friends, friends are, are white, white people. people. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, well, in Twin Peaks, you don't have a lot of other options. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's like it's like
1: yeah, I it, mean Josie's left town, so talk so is really sad. all that's left.
0: The oh man, yeah, that community is, that 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 quote unquote community is just dwindling fast in Twin Peaks. Oh, there was also boy.
1: like shortly after was Cooper talking about um, oh uh, the one armed man, and he said. In another time, in another place, he may have been a seer, a shaman priest. And I was just like, Cooper, we've done the, like, you went to Tibet thing. We can drop it now.
0: Did he go to Tibet?
1: Maybe he didn't. I think
0: he's just read books about Tibet.
1: That's kind of worse.
0: I mean, yeah. But also, are we really are we really going to be, uh, are we really going to take a... Uh, Harry Truman stance on Tibet now. Let's talk. Cooper's Tibet We need to
1: talk about the Harry Truman stance in a second. But my feeling is like the original like throwing stones at the bottle thing was interesting. It made for an interesting scene. But that one line like another culture would have understood him better and valued him. That was just very like reductive and like fetishistic.
0: Yeah, that's fair. Um, I just I also have a problem uh with his interpretation because it seems like unlike unlike uh you know it's almost like gordon cole understood uh mike better than cooper apparently does because i think in any other uh culture uh more spiritually in touch they'd probably recognize that this is a fucking evil yet reformed spirit. (laughs) Like, yeah, I don't think that that fits anybody's definition of shaman.
1: Yeah. Like what would he be seeing?
0: It's almost, it's almost (laughs) as though he's taking this like weird anthropological view that diminishes the supernatural, like fact of Mike that like to, to say, you know, in another culture, he would have been looked to as this or that is like, another way of saying, like, he would have just been part of a different, like, cultural norm as opposed to another culture would have recognized him for being from another fucking dimension and inhabiting this dude's bod. Like, I don't know.
1: Wait, what, do you, what was that? What was the thesis of your last statement?
0: The thesis of my last statement was, I think that to to say, like, oh, we don't fully... We don't fully understand him. He would have been understood so much better by other people as a way of admitting that you don't, you haven't fully yet come to terms with the fact that there is not a like, there is not a other explanation to this other than he is a, a spirit inhabiting this body. It almost comes across as like a line where Cooper isn't fully believing in Mike's truth, like the truth of yeah where okay. Mike comes from.
1: Yeah, I see where you're, I see what you're saying. That's that's yeah. um. An astute observation.
0: But maybe maybe Cooper just isn't ready to believe yet. Maybe. Not really.
1: Yeah, maybe his belief in the supernatural has been all for naught at this point.
0: Could be. I don't know. We, there's still a lot we don't know about Cooper. Anyway, let's talk about Truman. Let's talk about him, his final straw, <laughs> and what will be, I think, go down as the first moment in in harry shooting himself in the foot non-literally that doesn't happen spoilers he does not shoot himself in the foot with a gun thus injuring his foot but he does get really sad now that josie's gone really sad and starts making bad decisions
1: but also when has he not been sad about josie he was sad about josie while she was in twin peaks true that wasn't that was, that like was a, a different
0: kind of sad though.
1: That was like a you have one the writers have one note for Harry's character and it is sad.
0: Or um or or angry. Sometimes he's angry.
1: But he's like a- he's like angry sad.
0: That's fair. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think Michael Ankeen just has a sad face?
1: Yeah. Yeah. He has sad eyes. Just like Bobby has dreamy eyes, this dude has sad eyes.
0: Hmm. Okay. Anyway, uh yeah, it it seems it's interesting that they do recognize or that they introduce uh this dimension to Harry where it's like, no, even though Harry is clearly like, you know, at some level in touch with uh the spooky vibes of the town he has you know lived in his whole life and mm. and believes in certain things and is willing to go along with uh yeah, Cooper's wait, new additions to he's that he's
1: part of the bookhouse boys the bookhouse boy like a tenant of the bookhouse boys is that there's like a strange spirit in the woods mm-hmm.
0: but he is still the head lawman and has to respond to the death of uh the the tragic death of a well revered community member like uh like he he wants to he wants to to get justice in the way that uh the losses the legal system so often does which is just to to arrest someone and put them on trial whether or not it's actually like they're they're fully sure of it but though harry is also convinced because it's not as though ben does a very good job of keeping a cool level head about things so yeah um it's, it's, I guess it's good. I guess it, you know, compared to, you know, whatever, 10 episodes of this podcast go where we're like, should Harry and the rest of the department really be going along with what Cooper's saying? Like, it kind of redeems that. It's like, yeah, there is, there is a line and it is evidently being crossed. They have a, a suspect who doesn't have an alibi for the night of Laura's death, uh, who is also just an all around otherwise bad guy. Seems, seems, seems likely yeah
1: who, let's go with that. Who we know was involved in like trafficking laura
0: yeah let's just let's just go with that, um,
1: but this moment with Harry is really interesting to me because I feel like it's kind of a good contrast with um those little character moments with Leland that I was talking about, where the harry Harry's whole statement to Cooper that he's done with the dreams he's done with the mumbo jumbo and he really does call it mumbo jumbo. Um, that feels like the manifestation of a private moment that we didn't see. Hmm. Like he has been very on board this whole time. And I think that if this was really about like having a suspect, having the evidence and like charging the suspect and like shutting the book, there was a way to say that that wasn't like, I'm done with this mumbo jumbo.
0: True, true. Uh, I think Cooper's uh, response to it, is pretty telling too because it's at its face it's respectful uh but uh he says something to the effect of like you know i forgot that this was your yard um almost <laughs> i feel like the, the the exact phrasing of it and I, i'm regretting not having written it down uh kind of just you know makes harry small just makes makes harry's problem in his scope and his view of things seems small by comparison to where Cooper's coming from, Uh, which isn't like really a a power play he's engaged in before. He hasn't really come in and been like, I'm the FBI man and you are the sheriff and you need to be listening to me. Like Mm -hmm. I am, I am more experienced in the ways of these things than you are. Uh, And in fact, that relationship is reversed. Like Cooper has, has followed along uh with harry down some paths and and put his trust in there but here it's just like okay your funeral is almost what it comes off as like respectful enough but not not like swayed in any sense Mm
1: -hmm. yeah i think this is uh, an interesting turn for harry in terms of like differentiating him as a character aside from like cooper's sidekick and like Jody's sad boy Josie's sad boy but it's also a turn in like one of the not best friendships in Twin Peaks but a good one
0: a decent one
1: an all right one not
0: a nowhere near a Norma Shelley.
1: I know and we don't see any of them interacting in this episode so
0: no we do see a lot of Norma and Norma's mom Vivian and a lot of Hank and Ernie
1: Vivian is well cast in Uh most respects but there's also this tinge of just like turning on your rich person persona you know what i mean Mm. like in terms of a performance i feel like a no offense to the actress who plays vivian because in a lot of respects she really embodies these like characteristics of norma that really make you feel like there is a familial resemblance there but it also feels like She just flipped the switch on the rich person persona.
0: Yeah. But also Vivian isn't that likable. Like at all. No. Just by the content of what she's saying and, and and what she's what her, her presence uh, in Twin Peaks clearly means to Norma. Um, So I'm kind of fine with it also being like, also I'm going to come here and, like, ruin my uh, daughter's week. She owns a diner in a small town and and works very hard at it. Uh, And I'm going to come in here and then insist that we go to the Great Northern and that I will then critique the salmon uh, and so forth. It's just like, no, that that all brings me even further. Like, I would already be on Norma's side, but her mom is not a nice person.
1: I mean... That's fair, but she could feel more fleshed out and human. But again, we get into like this idea of like what is character in Twin Peaks, and like to what degree are we just interacting with artifice?
0: Uh, a ton, yeah. A rich person is gonna come in and be a rich person because all of the uh, uh, poorer people who say work or depend on the the mill in some way or another are like quite frequently depicted as like being very simple. Like, take, that's, for instance, yeah. Toad. Like, ha, it's oh, this. Yeah. It's the simple man who needs to be shoved back in the kitchen because he doesn't look like a, a respectable customer. Like, ha, 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 that's not actually a funny moment when you realize how much of that is wrapped up in, in class and then, like, a very, like, blunt performance of it. That's true. So every everything is artifice ben ben is ben is literally the 1980s embodiment of a of of businessman short of, of like wall street short of like having some like extra shoulder pads thrown in in his suit like i don't know there's like he just you like you could take a screenshot of any scene with ben in his office uh and show it to somebody who's never seen Twin peaks and they'd be able to be like yeah that was probably filmed in 1989 1990 <laughs> That's true. No one looked like that in any other time.
1: (laughs) Okay, I'm going to take a slight detour. I don't know if you're going to be into this. Okay. But I want to see a version of Oz with Hank and Nadine's husband in it.
0: Uh... Like Hank. I
1: would watch that. Like Hank, Hank is and n- Nadine's husband. Not Nadine's husband. Norma's hus- Norma's mom's husband. Isn't Norma's <laughs> Hank stepdad. And- you want
0: to see Hank and Ed together in Oz? Yes, is what you said. <laughs> yeah, um,
1: um, Ed can be there, but
0: Ed, Ed can be the warden. Um, I. Just- you want to see Oz with Hank and Ernie? Really?
1: I do actually. I have like a weird soft spot for Oz.
0: Uh I know virtually nothing about Oz so on that end of the conversation I'll be useless but uh I think I've I've made it- I
1: feel like I feel like Ernie makes Hank interesting to me is really? what I'm like trying to articulate okay. because Hank is minimally interesting. He's like a doofus husband who like is supposed to be like a dangerous criminal
0: mm-hmm. who's
1: like done some bad stuff and like was at one point maybe like the big bad of Twin Peaks but you know very quickly, kind of lost that status. Last time we saw him, uh, John Jean-
0: ass kicked.
1: Well, Jean Reno had a gun on him, and we have
0: oh, right, 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 no
1: idea at this point,
0: right, what right. has happened okay. in between. Um, I just feel like Ernie, <laughs> I, I uh, have been waiting for the arrival of Vivian and Ernie, uh, and I thought it happened before the reveal, but I was evidently wrong. Um, because Ernie shows up and it's just like Ernie seems like a like a character legit like the actor and and the character it seemed legit lifted out of another TV show from another earlier time. Where it's just like that's very was true. this dude like a guest star or like a recurring actor on the Honeymooners or something? Like where that's... did he fucking come from? Uh, because it's not like it's not like the weird. Not weird, but the the very uh late eighties early nineties looking backwards nostalgia embodied by pretty much every other twin Peaks character who isn't say like a wolf of wall Street Ben very of the times type or or a josie or so forth like Pete isn't just like Pete isn't just like the old boy who goes down to the dock and fishes and stuff like he's got his own shit going on in his head, and all these characters do, even if they are like. You know, other way in other ways, embodying or performing this kind of like uh, nostalgic uh, character archetype or something. Uh, but he's just like he's just the slimy man with like the with the like you know he's that, like that u- slick combed hair and he's he like yelled- a
1: used car salesman
0: exactly. And he's like I don't I don't dig it. But then for Hank. his presence ernie's presence now hank has something to do now hank after being so ineffectual for so many episodes the only thing he accomplished was shooting leo it seems like after all that um hank's like oh cool i can kind of fuck around with this guy and be like i could spill your beans and then like try and encourage you to like do more crime and cut me in on it uh which is just like, wow, you've really fucking set your sights high, Hank, haven't you? How the, how the, the scary have fallen.
1: Okay, I want to describe to you what I'm envisioning now. Okay. It's a sitcom. All right. Featuring Vivian and Ernie. Okay. And Norma and Hank. And there's some kind of like duplex situation going on. They live next door to each other. Whatever. And Hank is the doofus husband. And Ernie's the slimy used car salesman father-in-law. And Hank has this, you know, secret on Ernie. And it's all about, like, them manipulating each other and Norma being amazing and Vivian being, like, you know, like, um, like Karen Mullally on Will and Grace.
0: Okay. Uh, Wait, you mean, you mean Megan Mullally? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just, like
1: it's a multi-cam show uh-huh. there's a laugh track Uh huh. it's renewed for like six seasons there's a huge following
0: i feel like the problem here is that you have maybe one and a half likable characters yeah no i, I think most sitcoms have to have at least two
1: <laughs> right no.
0: no no name me a sitcom that has less than one and a half likable characters yet yeah, is a success
1: Tbh, who on the office is likable?
0: Um, that's a good question. Well, you know what? I feel like it's, you're you're
1: uh, like supposed to like Jim and Pam, but like, do you really? It's definitely
0: not Jim and Pam. It's definitely I haven't watched enough Office of the Office to know, but it's definitely um, the characters who aren't in the spotlight. It's definitely the characters who usually end up being implicated in a plot thread involving involving like the jim and pam drama or the michael scott drama it's definitely like the the not the b cast like they're all like on the same billing but fuck like what are the names of these other characters not bj novak's character he sucks
1: um keep going
0: that's i that's uh, keep well, rolling mi- you got this uh what's the name of mindy Kaling's character kelly kelly's kelly's i think pretty likable in that also she's like at least early on in the show. I also haven't seen much Late Office. Because who has? Who yeah. kept watching? Who kept watching The Office? Don't tell us if you kept watching The Office. <laughs> we don't need to know. Um, but like, yeah, the characters on the sides who were like all flawed in their own different ways. But we weren't also supposed to like invest in their stories okay. all the time.
1: If this is my sitcom, then Bobby and Shelley are those characters.
0: Mm, okay. All right, in that case, who else do you bring on as your like B cast or your side cast?
1: Um, I think Donna and James would be super unlikable. They would be terrible customers who never tipped. I think okay. L- Laura Laura would be likable. Wait, she what, do you, would,
0: what do you what do you tip on 25 cents for coffee though? <laughs> <laughs> Just riddle me that.
1: Just round up to 100% at that point. Um
0: Okay. I think right, Laura fair. would
1: be pretty likable. She'd be doing like meals on wheels with Laura. Um, Audrey would be mysterious, but she'd bloom later as like a supporting character i would love to see her like have a friendship with shelly
0: where do you have a mysterious who's a mysterious character in a sitcom give me a point of reference for how this works in a comedic setting
1: um trying to think well okay in the early seasons of the office and in the early seasons of parks and rec there were characters who were in the background who came to the foreground in later seasons donna um, came to the foreground in parks and recreation that's,
0: that's true that's true but i don't know if mysterious is what i would call early donna
1: not donna audrey
0: no 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 you said you were talking about <sighs> geez. now it's all confusing okay Now yeah, there's two donnas <laughs> to play there's one there's one donna so, we are no, no, very no. in support okay. of and one donna we definitely hate Okay.
1: <laughs> james and donna are unlikable. Audrey's going to be mysterious and become likable. She's gonna come in, put creepy music on the jukebox, and then leave. And then in season three, she's gonna rise like a phoenix and become a supporting character. Then in season
0: three she's gonna take Norma aside and be like, Hey, you ha you have you ever heard of treating yourself? Let me let's go let's go to Horns Department Store. I get a discount because my dad owns the place. And we're just going to have a special day all about that. Also, here's Aziz Ansari. He's here to help bring you through this experience. Also, he's 12 years old because this is still being filmed in like 1990.
1: Okay. I'm not saying that this would be a good sitcom, but this would be a watchable sitcom. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm pitching right now.
0: uh, I feel like they pitched the, the latter half of season two of Twin Peaks in part as a watchable sitcom and if that's not damning i don't know what is
1: all right fair enough
0: are you gonna poor man's copyright this one yeah okay all right i hope i I,
1: hope. I don't remember what any of my other copyrights were
0: evidently they were the greatest ideas of all time
1: <laughs> mom if you could text me <laughs> yeah with those ideas i would really appreciate it
0: uh where, where else where else can we go this episode
1: what else happened
0: There's some, some, a few other important points to touch on. I feel like, uh, but I would like to talk about, um, I would like to talk about my boy Pete some more Pete Martell specifically the, the, the look on his face as he plays the tape for Ben in the cell.
1: Oh my God.
0: Um, I like how quickly, uh, within the span of an episode, Pete has embraced uh, Catherine's scheme, if only because he knows it will. He gets he gets the the unique pleasure of seeing Ben flip out and be entirely powerless, mm-hmm. but then doesn't even stick around for the best part, which is Ben tearing up the entire jail cell and then sitting down in a in a in a in a in a huff amongst the uh the gently falling feathers of the pillow which also that's a pretty good that's pretty good gotta be pretty good pillows for for a jail cell i good think days. he
1: brought his own pillows
0: you th- do they allow that
1: i think jerry did, snuck them in
0: do they let you bring in your like 400 thread count egyptian cotton sheets
1: jerry snuck them in in a comically large cake
0: I would like to think that Jerry just stuffed them under his his shirt and pretended to be really full. (laughs) And then Andy was like, oh, you had a big lunch, I see. (laughs) Why don't we get Jerry and Andy scenes, huh? Huh? I feel like they would be an even match almost. I
1: feel like someone else would have to set the topic of conversation and then it would be gold.
0: Mm. Mm-hmm jerry or and andy or, as moderated by Catherine martell
1: yes okay or andy confides in jerry about his sperms <laughs> because he's telling a lot of people about this.
0: he's telling a lot of people about the sperms do you think that do you think that it's it's totally fitting for puppy dog pete to be now going along with Catherine's scheme even even if we Assume that he's in part doing this because he wants to see Ben squirm, uh, just for his own pleasure and enjoyment. Or should he have been a little bit more like, "You faked your death. What do you? <laughs> what do you mean? You need me to help you out with something? You just, you did a bad thing."
1: Um. One, I want you to do more Jack Nance impressions on okay. the podcast. Two. This is kind of one of those things where, like, where is the character moment that we missed? Like, Harry turning on Cooper. Was there a conversation that we missed? Or is this just kind of something that was left out? Um, Third being, honestly, maybe this has been what's been going on with his and Catherine's marriage since the beginning. Because, like, what else is the appeal? What has the appeal been? I'm kind of into this. I'm into, like, Pete being Catherine's, you know, dim-witted henchman. Okay. Yeah, I can see that. Also, Josie's gone, so he has little else to do.
0: It's like... (laughs) Yeah. He's kind of at a loss. Yeah. He fished so much that he ended up finding dead fish in his percolator. So there's not a lot of that going on. It's not seasonal right now. The mill was burned down, so he's got
1: nothing to do there.
0: Yeah. In fact, maybe is is it just because Pete's unemployed now? When you're when I'm uh, when I was unemployed not that long ago I thought all sorts of stuff that wasn't normally in my in my purview in my in my wheelhouse let's say seemed fun all of a sudden cuz it was a thing to do. And maybe this is just Pete being like, well, I don't have a lot else to do. Might as well try scheming or like assisting with schemes
1: sure but i also want to believe that like he's not just waking up to like Catherine being an evil schemy person
0: probably not
1: so i want to believe that they've done some version of this before or he's been involved in her 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 stuff what do you what uh, to what, some extent what, before
0: what? other schemes do you think that pete has has engaged in before
1: they've been married for a long time she's probably been working her way up to you know this this big one you know getting her lover stuck in in jail with a murder charge so maybe stealing candy i don't know
0: that's that's pretty low level embezzling
1: embezzling maybe from who andrew packard
0: i mean I don't know if Pete would just go along with embezzling. I feel like Pete.
1: Okay, Pete's, but he is Pete's blackmailing in, someone. In right,
0: but I feel like maybe Pete's always got to be in it for the for the turn. For the I get to see the look on someone's face and embezzling. You oh, don't you don't ever tell someone that you're embezzling. You're from right, them, you just You're embezzle. right.
1: Honestly, maybe Catherine has always had. Um, extramarital affairs and this is how they all end they end with pete blackmailing them and that's how Catherine breaks up with her suitors
0: and that's how they keep the fire alive
1: wow i love that
0: okay that can be part of your sitcoms plotline. uh hmm i'm running short on notes now which is weird because we only just crossed an hour that's unusual for us
1: mm-hmm. um So there is shirtless coupe in the hotel. There was kind of a cinematic coupe reaching for... I don't remember what. I just wrote very cinematic turn in Cooper's Hotel. Okay. But what I really want to get to is this is the first time that Audrey has been in an anti-look.
0: You don't like this look.
1: I don't. I really don't. I think this has done her a great disservice.
0: I was curious to hear what you were gonna think about it because yeah even to my untrained look spotting eye i was like something's a little off looks like Audrey got up on the wrong side of the bed this morning
1: there's there's like a 50s like looks kind of like
0: her father was arrested on suspicion of murder this morning and maybe that (laughs) distracted from from you know making sure everything was was just right
1: but it's not it's not that she like has an inattention to self because like she's had her crying face and looked really good while wearing that flannel that was a look to me this was like she had like some kind of bump it situation going on and she was wearing like an orange it was mostly the bump it situation like we could have moved past the orange cardigan
0: but the hair was all wrong for you it was hmm hmm well, do you have do you, do you have any, uh, any theory as to either in the context of the sh- of the show in the fiction, uh, an explanation for this for this letdown, or perhaps some theory as to wardrobe having just dropped the ball on this one?
1: Well, we also haven't seen very much of Audrey in this episode, which. Was Sherilyn doing anything else at the time? Was it like, oh, we've got her on set for an hour?
0: She was just, she just came hot off that shoot for that 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 Bumpets ad, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the very first Bumpets ad recorded in 1990, <laughs> and then they forgot to take it out. That's clearly, that's clearly what's what's astray here.
1: But really, what was Audrey doing this episode? Because her dad was arrested for murder, and she she kind of helped put him there.
0: I think you get a pass for when you just uh, went through a harrowing experience and the end result of it was that you helped get your own dad arrested on suspicion of murder. Um, you're allowed to like, maybe, I don't know, sit in your room for a while and think and and not be a a, a a real...
1: Not be a Twin Peaks character. Not be a
0: Twin Peaks character.
1: I Wait, I did want to bring this up and I forgot. Audrey is actually one of the exceptions to the like lack of private character moments hmm. usually not yeah. in this episode but we've had more private moments with her than we've had with that's, most other characters that's
0: true that is very true
1: usually spying on someone or scheming on something
0: mm-hmm. or uh like when she was in one night at one Eye jacks and uh yeah and was and was praying and stuff like yeah. her cooper a lot a lot of bob slash leland this episode Mm-hmm. I love that scene where he's like trying to like hold in the laughter and then Cooper gets all like, wait a minute, I'm going to walk over this way. That's that scene is way more tense for me than the weird scene with the with Maddie's body in the trunk and Leland's brash behavior. Uh, That scene doesn't have any real tension to me because it's like, well, it's not going to happen here. They're not going to find out right here. But the
1: that would be so crazy.
0: The being caught just like snickering. Is we so interesting.
1: Also have not talked about the fact that Maddie is dead.
0: Maddie is dead.
1: I was really into like the really graphic image of like her in the bag of golf clubs and there's like blood. It's, she's dead. It's
0: it's certainly an affecting image. Um It's
1: pretty graphic.
0: Yeah. Uh and I don't know. I mean, I'll never look at golf the same way again, I guess. I'll never look at someone ho- holding one of those, like, golf bags just, you know, under their arm the same way again. I'll always think, like, TV told me you could fit a body in there.
1: That's true. It's creepy. That's true. I wonder. Nope, I'm not going to say what I was going to say.
0: Uh, yeah. Okay. I have no idea what you're going to say. So this is just going to be. This is going to be one of those unsolved mysteries of our podcast. Much like
1: maybe I'll reveal it. I'll Peaks. prematurely reveal it in a couple of episodes. Ah, okay. What I was thinking about.
0: Yeah, no, you're not going to remember. Just like you don't remember your ideas you, <laughs> you wanted to hold on to for TV shows.
1: Mom, text me and remind me.
0: Okay. Yeah. Or uh, or
1: your mom can remind me because she can comment on our Facebook page.
0: That's true. She can do that. Um, anyone listening can comment on our facebook page it's facebook.com slash twin peaks peaks yeah spelled like we spell the podcast wow yeah (laughs) you can
1: find us on a number of social media platforms
0: yep but we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves with the plugs
1: all right so let's get to production notes unless you have other episode stuff you
0: don't want to talk about the 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 final uh limp or semi limp gesture towards a a Cooper Audrey relationship. The the like penultimate scene of this episode. You don't want to talk about that. You just want to focus on what do on you mean
1: the... when he tells her to leave or No.
0: Uh the the fact that Audrey sits plops down on the bed and says, uh, I never, never let anyone Cooper says, Audrey, you don't have to say anything. I want you to know. I know. Uh which is an exchange that you only write into the script if you're still like entertaining the possibility of uh, at least exploring the potential of a relationship here. And I forgot that this scene took place because, as far as I'm concerned, they've already distanced themselves from that heavily.
1: Yeah, they have. That's a good point. And it has some Star Wars tinges on it, that hmm. exchange.
0: Hmm. Are you just saying that because because that trailer dropped?
1: Nope.
0: I know you're not. I'm Thanks. just trying to keep I'm just trying to keep this podcast totally not future proof. People will listen to this like 3 years from now and be like, "Oh man, they recorded this when the trailer <laughs> dropped." For for episode 7? That's crazy. I've already seen the Boba Fett spin-off. What is this? What is this old podcast? I didn't notice how much dust collected on top of this podcast. I need to put this back in the in the iTunes cupboard.
1: Love it. But yeah. I do also want to say that that's really interesting, be- that, that exchange where they're cutting each other off and not finishing their thoughts. It's really interesting because we're, because the show doesn't do these solo character moments, we're not going to get an explanation. No. And this is an interesting use of that, like, interest in exteriority and artifice... That we don't see all the time.
0: I think... I think, though, definitely... Definitely... Audrey is, like... Maybe more Han Solo. And maybe Cooper is more Leia.
1: I 100% agree.
0: Like, definitely it's in the other direction. Like, definitely... That would be a power couple right there. Harrison Ford and Sherilyn Fenn. Think about it. Think about it. Make a movie. Cast them together. Think about it.
1: Stay tuned for that. (laughs) Send us your best Sherilyn Fenn, Harrison Ford movie pitches. And
0: given that Hollywood always casts uh, in heterosexual relationships, the woman about 20 years younger, Hollywood might actually bite on this one. (laughs) Anyway good job hollywood fuckers uh what what uh what what uh, what do we got for production notes what do we got for usenets what do we got from from the 90s this week
1: <laughs> from the 90s this week that's that should ah, be the umbrella phrase <laughs> finally, for finally
0: finally halfway through the run of the show we come up with a <laughs> with another segment title
1: from the 90s this week um like i said this was the first episode that caleb deschanel directed we're going to see him back again he is zoe and emily deschanel's father Mm -hmm. um this was written by scott frost mark Frost's brother who some usenet users had previously been in contact with so that was interesting to Hmm. see his name pop up in like an official capacity um and this actually represented a pretty significant drop-off in messages um there were about 80 compared to last week's 130 something Mm -hmm. um a lot of the messages were about whether there should be a rec.arts.twinpeaks group there was a lot of discussion about that.
0: Rec.arts.twinpeaks. It was peaks. like
1: another news group. So they were, uh, they oh. didn't have a Twin Peaks specific news group. So people were making this argument that the general TV news group for rec arts was being dominated by Twin Peaks. And oh. then people were saying, oh, it's going to get canceled. And then it'll just be there and it'll be whatever. There was a lot about like.
0: We have to conserve space on the Internet yes. after all. Yes, yes. Yeah, that okay. and like
1: identity and platforms and like trying to like unify the idea of a fandom it's practices that continue to this day um in any case there were um there was a an urge this week to like s- psychologically analyze the series and the recent revelations um there was one epi- one message that i found kind of strange um and it said oh i noticed that people were having really strong reactions to the last episode um and they were just saying you know i had a strong reaction i don't know why um and this message said some people in therapy uncover instances of child abuse that are buried deep in their psyche
0: Hmm.
1: and it's sort of like that is true but also
0: but also is this, before you post a thing on the internet, stop and think, do I need to post
1: this on the internet? Do I need to tell strangers that they, like,
0: yes. Do I need to plant that in strangers' heads that maybe what happened when they watch TV is that they uncovered past trauma?
1: And like, the thing is, like, that could totally be true mm-hmm. for some people. But did everyone need to think about that? And do you need to tell strangers that that might be something that happened to them? Well, now we're just
0: censoring speech on the Internet by saying this, Ashley, you know, by requesting that people put a little bit of thought into their words before they speak. We are actually just de facto um, censorship uh, advocates even though we're talking about posts from the 1990s, which given that they still exist today, probably can't be censored at this point.
1: That's true. Comment with your thoughts.
0: Comment with your thoughts. Feel the burn, 2016. <laughs> uh, also, also, I don't know. I'm just... Just, I, I can, just ima- riffing. Imagine I, all right. Uh, here's another imagined bit. Imagine I do a bit where I make fun of like, Uh, free speech diehards and libertarians and shit like that great it was awesome it was funny (laughs) oh matt that was a real crack up it was great that you busted out the jack nance impression again in the middle there okay moving on
1: um so the other in the other urge towards um psychoanalytics here uh someone indicated that repetitive stimuli is known to trigger a transition or a switch in people with um disassociative identity disorder, also known as multiple dis- personality disorder. And they trace back certain instances of repetitive stimuli um in scenes with Leland slash Bob, um the ceiling fan being one of them. Hmm, okay. Um there was an interesting discussion where like the original poster had claimed that like this was common knowledge and people were like, I've never heard of this I did not do the independent research to determine whether or not this was a thing. Okay. But this obviously gets into the area of like, can we at this point attribute what's happened in Twin Peaks to something non-supernatural?
0: Hmm. Yeah, I don't get that impulse, really.
1: I think the show is pretty solidly supernatural at this point. There might have been at this stage uh, the ability to pull back, but I don't. where the show goes, no
0: um as long as no one started talking game like about freud or something though
1: no one did that good not yet
0: good not yet yeah it's Usenet. it'll come up someone will be like well actually let me refer back to something i read in my freshman year of college i took psych Uh, 101
1: my first semester of college
0: and uh freud says no just no no. stop now please Stop. Wait,
1: did you read? Did you have to read Freud in college class?
0: I did have to read Freud in college class. I what think I have type that. of
1: class was it, though? Uh,
0: it was a humanities class. Yeah. Yep. We were like, this guy's a. Yeah, you can see it right there on the top of my bookshelf in the in the living room. Right. You're right. Uh, yeah, it's <laughs> it's wedged right between Aristotle and the Marx engels Reader. Loving it. And then to the left of the Marx engels Reader is the Bible. It's a real <laughs> there's a the handbook. God, that's what a crackerjack lineup of shit nobody really needs to worry all that much about.
1: I'll maybe, take a pic of it and upload that image.
0: Eh,
1: anyway, maybe I'll take marks down. So, marks
0: can Marks can hang on the lower shelves.
1: So wait, wait, wait. But what was the tone of, what was the tone of like the reception to Freud in your academic
0: experience? Um it was it was about half of the classroom trying to like trying to get past just how like clearly like, yeah, we, we, we touched on how influential, how influential his ideas were for worse or for better, but then trying to talk about um, his writing and talk about like, you know, the statements he's making on the human condition and like almost try to interact with some of these case studies and things as though they were stories and what can be, you know, what can be pulled from them that way. Uh, but then struggling with it, because, like, you're talking about Freud, you're talking about someone who's like, I'm doing real science, like, listen, listen to this. Um, this and then the other conjecture. half of the class was just, like, kind of de gaff like, why are we even reading this guy? He was a cocaine addict. And it's just like, well... Love we, it. Well, we're reading him, because a lot of other people read him and take him seriously. Uh, and that's, we should just, like, we should we should talk about this thing. We don't have to love it. We also don't have to be like, this guy? Pfft, pfft, why are we wasting our time on this? And it's like, well, I would love to read another Bronte novel as much as you would, but this is the syllabus, and we're not going to complain, and we're not going to trivialize things. So I
1: read Freud in a really high-level literary class with a professor that was really highly regarded, and I think the idea was like oh, these are similar tools to how we interpret literature. it's like, my reaction was like, well, should we interpret literature literature to think that every female character has daddy issues and penis envy?
0: Well, if you uh, read a lot of books written by white men who read Freud, that is probably the intent of some of what's going on, like actually. So not to say that like anyone should put stock in authorial intent, though. I'm just saying, like, Ooh, yeah, unfortunately. that's a
1: thing. I also tried to, like, trash Freud in my thesis, um, and my thesis advisor was like, pull back, which was probably smart for my orals.
0: Probably. <laughs> like, Ashley, you should probably cut this entire chapter where you've titled it, Why Freud is the Worst. <laughs> it just really doesn't hang with the rest of the argument. Anyway. Also, you have a whole appendix here, which is just... I it's just ideas for Twin Peaks spinoffs, <laughs> and you've like cited things and everything. And oh, you don't even remember writing this. You don't remember any of these ideas. How strange! You should probably cut it.
1: I had an appendix on Breaking Bad in my thesis.
0: That is a true fact. I know that's cool. I didn't have any cool appendices in my thesis. I just had lame appendices. Anyway.
1: I mean, that appendix was just because I didn't want to delete something I'd written
0: i mean you don't you didn't have to like you could you could keep a copy of it for yourself
1: not the same Hmm. anyway so the real highlight of the usenet boards this week was a post titled farewell comma twin peaks
0: (laughs) yep yep Uh uh-huh i'm feeling that pretty hard this week
1: all right are you ready i'm gonna read this whole thing to you
0: uh, you have to do it in a in a in a dramatic voice. Um, you really have to. I don't to, know if
1: I can do this, but we're gonna see.
0: You you can't just like, you can't just come every week super well prepared with all these like meticulous notes and having read the Usenet boards and everything, and leave all the silly voices to me. Okay, <laughs> all right. You can't just skate by that easy. You got to right, do a all right. silly voice. All
1: right. I don't. Okay, we can do serious, not silly. Okay, I'm fed up. The show has begun its inevitable deterioration. Why do I say this? Think about these for a moment. Colon. One, Sarah Palmer had an amazing recovery, didn't she? And a very inconvenient loss of memory, it seems. Sidebar, a lot of people on Usenet last week thought that Sarah had a spinal injury. Okay. Um, Two, Hank is one hell of a slippery fellow. Last time we saw him, Jean had a gun to his head. 3. I wonder if Daryl will ever notice that his wallet's missing. Maybe when he finally gets around to paying for the dinner he had at the double R two nights ago. 4. Leland has been Bob for nearly 40 years. In that time, to our knowledge, he has killed at most three people. First was Teresa Banks. Then, almost one year to the day, came Laura Palmer. The third was Maddie, of course. So in 40 years, Bob has killed three times, with the third coming only a few days after the second. Why? And here's a bonus question to think about. Where was Teresa's body found? We know now how Leland really makes his living. Colon. he sells Amway products. Didn't the wonderful Amway carpet cleaner do an outstanding job on the bloodstained carpet of Leland's living room? Six. So it takes, quote-unquote, a few hours to determine a man's blood type in Twin Peaks? Albert was right. It does give new meaning to the word, quote-unquote, primitive. Seven, Lucy sure loves to drive. Why, she's been known to drive hundreds of miles in a 48-hour period. Cooper, sh- eight, Cooper sure is a strange guy, and his memory is shoddy. It seems like only a couple of weeks ago, he was explaining to Harry why the murder of Pom- Laura and the attack on Ronette was a federal case. Nine, so Pete just got back from the second shift. The s- second shift of what? The ghost mill? <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's what this show needed to be it needed to transition into being about the ghost mill
1: 10 it quote unquote is happening again well let's see now what could that nice old giant chap be trying to tell coop maybe uh maybe someone's been killed okay uh but we have the murderer in custody right hmm that doesn't add up no, maybe uh maybe we got the wrong guy. Gee, where can we find another close friend of Leland who has been molesting Laura throughout the years? Gosh, it's all so complex. I'm surprised that Coop didn't figure it out. I'm not surprised that Coop didn't figure it out immediately. Am I the only one that thinks uh that Scott Frost should stick on being someone's son, cousin, paramour, whatever? Flame on exclamation point.
0: Wow wow it's I'm amazed that back in the day people would sign their uh sign their their angry rants with flame on just so you know that they're being an asshole um uh those are more or less those are pretty good points though
1: but they are also things that this person could have taken issue with at almost any other point in the show
0: true very true um
1: is it a culmination of these 10 things that's making this person leave the show? Or is it the fact that uh, Laura's killer has been prematurely revealed?
0: Um, maybe we should track this guy down and ask. Should be like, hey, remember this post that you made um, 25 years ago? What do you think of it? What do you think of it now? Do you really feel that strongly about it? Do you
1: stand by that point?
0: Is, are you st- Is flame still on, or is flame off? Is flame very off now? Are you excited for nutrient peak?
1: <laughs> yeah. Wait, I really do want to know about that.
0: Uh well, that's a good Usenet post. That's maybe the best Usenet post yet.
1: <laughs> wow, that's a that's high praise. That's a strong endorsement. We should have gotten a character moment with a uh, Daryl. The, the, the really important. The Amway line
0: is a fucking. That's a fucking killer line.
1: Yeah, but that character moment with Daryl would have uh, filled in so many uh, gaps.
0: What, uh, well, okay, here's one thing though. Lucy says she's driving to Seattle from Twin Peaks, right? Mm-hmm. Um, this guy takes issue with Lucy driving quote hundreds of miles in a forty eight hour period. Lucy could easily let's imagine that Twin Peaks is like actually way up in there there in the corner of of Washington. I'm guessing like driving at like sixty miles an hour it'd still be like maybe eight hours from Twin Peaks to Seattle and back like you can do that you can do that in two days if you're doing a real short trip, but you're committed to it, you can do that easy, easy, and probably probably less. Lucy might be a lead foot for all you know. Then it's like five hours. Who knows? Maybe maybe there's like a really good highway between this fictional city and Seattle. (laughs) Or fictional town, I guess. So I kind of... Nine reasons why Twin Peaks is deteriorating. Not (laughs) ten. Watch yourself.
1: All right. I mean, you grew up in Seattle and you've... I assume taking trips to eastern Washington?
0: Many times, many times. And it would take about five or six hours. So you just tack on the the northward, northward? Yeah, northward journey to that. Call it another couple hours. It's not that bad. It's not that bad. If you do a straight line, it's like, it's not that bad.
1: There you go. There you go. So eight points. Minus the fact Sarah Palmer did not have a spinal injury. Okay, yeah, yeah. So we got down to seven, but one of them is (laughs) Daryl's missing wallet.
0: That one counts as two points. That's true. What the hell's up, Daryl? Maybe that dude, maybe Daryl just walks around with multiple wallets.
1: There's also Bob's kill count, according to the FBI, because they are... The authorities on Bob's forty-year kill count—it's not like the FBI has ever overlooked murders before when they involve, you know, young women that aren't white and rich.
0: Um, yeah, you know, maybe maybe Bob's already written out like an entire novel with the little the little letters under fingernails.
1: Yeah, he's just wrapping it up at this point. This This is the epilogue
0: his editor was like you need you need something else
1: there's also the blood type so there's not a fucking how? blood lab in twin peaks
0: well okay, but how long does it take to to at a hospital to get back a blood type like i feel like that is actually a pretty fast test isn't it i don't the, never actually also
1: the 90s hadn't we just sequenced the human dna
0: oh what what
1: i don't know what i don't know science. what are you
0: saying ashley <laughs> we were able to get blood type in 1990 pretty 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 well i think
1: okay i'm not saying that those are the same things i'm saying technology has come a lot way a long way since the 90s therefore it's not an in, it could it may not be an instantaneous process
0: oh man this is this is going to be a point of contention unless all right let's go uh unless i look for it how to determine blood type actually wait no hold on there was was like a long
1: period of time where
0: how do you determine blood type let me check that this is terrible oh come on you're supposed to just like read it out to me has
1: siri ever done that for you
0: Um, siri
1: does not have that kind of functionality
0: it's true it's true
1: and in any case what they're doing if they're doing a blood type analysis that's one thing if they're trying to match a real blood type with a real person that's another thing and i don't actually know if they had the functionality at this time because a ton of people were semi- posthumously declared innocent because previously it had only been their blood type that matched the crime scene and then when forensic evidence advanced far enough to you know really match dna with person it was determined that these people weren't guilty
0: fair fair
1: but again i'm not sure where technology sorry at i'm just falling down
0: a hole now because i forgot that blood type is something that's determined via like like Simple like Mendelian genetics. I forgot that that's a thing. So I was just looking at the like, if an O parent and an A positive parent have a kid, the kid will have such and such a blood type. And I was just like, oh, right, man. My, my, Science. <laughs> man. Seventh grade bio all coming back at once. Anyway.
1: What's your blood type? Do you know?
0: I don't think I do know.
1: I don't know. Hey, my blood hey, type either. actually,
0: actually, mom? mom if you're listening just text me my blood type see that's the, that's the only thing you need to text me this week mom what's my blood type it's been a while since i've been to a, a doctor where that's been a an important note of concern but maybe i should know i should probably know my own blood probably type. probably
1: something you should know
0: yeah probably
1: I've asked because, my because
0: maybe it takes a couple hours to figure it out, according to Ashley. <laughs> so I don't want to be in an emergency situation where they're like, I guess we just got to give them the O oh, because we don't know what else we got. Around Are you
1: receiving work. a blood transfusion in the early 90s, though? <laughs> in a rural town.
0: <laughs> Stop. Stop. We have to move past this. But what else do we have to talk about this week? We didn't do a food segment this week
1: that's all i got really
0: there was no ed and nadine this episode so
1: oh this is not super related but our twitter got the poll feature did you see that
0: i yeah i looked on my phone and it didn't show up as a poll so Um, thanks twitter
1: well it showed up as a poll in my browser last night
0: okay yeah who uses twitter on a browser though come on come on anyway okay it's a answer it our is poll. a
1: poll for me
0: yeah it doesn't look like that i guess i gotta update my app um but yeah uh vote on that poll it's at twin peaks peaks on twitter uh shout out to um we didn't we didn't have this uh <laughs> okay great <laughs> the results of this poll right now are super interesting um uh shout out to cole hamilton i think I'm saying that right? C O L L Hamilton, uh, who uh, drew this amazing, amazing uh, uh, pencil sketch of uh, Dale Cooper. I don't
1: think it's
0: a pencil. Uh, charcoal. Looks like a pen. I can't tell. I can't it's tell an on my phone. Ink pen. Ink. Okay. It's an amazing <gasps> piece of art, regardless, and uh, has other amazing art. But we used the Cooper drawing. Uh, last week as our cover for the episode, and I want to thank you again for letting us do that. Super cool that you uh, drew that while listening to our show. Hopefully, uh, we <laughs> aided your artistic process and did not make it more difficult. Actually, I don't know. maybe
1: it is pencil.
0: I think it's pencil. I think you're right. I think also like any proper proper artist there's like a there's like a listing of the medium on the website underneath you can also buy that art yeah, and I think there's he's yeah.
1: having a sale yeah there's a really um, beautiful Pete Martel drawing
0: if you listen to this right when it comes out I bet that sale will still be going on so um, uh, can you remind me of Cole's Twitter handle
1: it is at c far enough great uh, spelled SEEP F A R E N O U G H.
0: Yeah. None of this none of this silly two words that sound uh like the same word, but they're actually spelled differently like an R confusing Twitter handle. Hey. Um we got anything else to talk about?
1: Um Nope. Nope. Well, I mean you can follow us on Facebook or Tumblr. Um you can follow me on Twitter.
0: How would they do that? Imagine this is the first episode someone's listening to.
1: Why would... A, why would you do that? Because the killer has already been revealed. Because
0: people are people.
1: B, my name is Ashley Brandt. spelled with a silent D. It's somewhere in there. You take a guess.
0: And that's also Ashley's Twitter handle. Yeah. Just so you know. Yeah. yeah. My name is Matthew Olson. It's my name is just riddled with silent letters it's a minefield it's it is a my name is uh an english professor's worst nightmare um that's true and so just try and figure out how to spell it and if you can then you can slap an amp not an ampersand (laughs) there's no good use for an ampersand on twitter you can slap an at symbol in front of it and then that's my twitter handle uh
1: You also host another podcast.
0: I host another podcast, yes. It's called Can You Get To That? I host it with my my good, good friend, Caitlin Best. Uh, Just last week, we put out an episode uh, about Tanya Harding, Hmm. uh, which is uh, there's some real humdingers of factoids we learned about her. Uh, It's a comedy podcast where we play the Wikipedia racing game, and I think going up the same day as this episode from Peaks Peaks, There's a new episode of that podcast, and the subject is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Love it. So check it out. Can you get to that? Can you get to that? Simplecast.fm or on iTunes. Rate and subscribe. And rate and subscribe this, please. This show that you're listening to now with your ears. Also, Ashley has other shows that you should listen to and rate and subscribe to. What are they, Ashley? Ashley?
1: um they are yeah i've seen that which is coming out really soon we're doing an episode on beasts of no nation which is netflix's first original movie directed by carrie fukunaga of true detective season one starring idris elba of my dreams um this
0: whole movie seems like it was just manifested out of a dream that you had Given that short description.
1: really does. Um,
0: So what if it's a huge letdown?
1: I also host The K-Hole. We have recently overcome technical difficulties and we're ready to go for season 11 when that starts airing on November 15th Um, and we are going to be talking (laughs) about keeping up with the Kardashians in much the same way that you and I talk about Twin Peaks.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Like seriously, you should listen to the first episode and be struck by... Aside from the ta- aside from the fact that like Taylor is way smarter than I am, <laughs> um, it's it's kind of the same same candor and approach and thoughtfulness, but with, uh, but with but with keeping up with the Kardashians.
1: And if you were a fan of our special guest last week, who is always a positive addition to the uh, the conversation on this show, his name is Scott Benson, and he hosts co-hosts the I'm So Sure podcast.
0: Yep. Check that one out. That'll do it for this week's installment of Twin Peaks Peaks. I'm gonna I'm trying to keep my spirits up for what's to come. But I'll always be able to draw positive energy from my friend and yours. Jack Nance. Wishing you a, f- a f- just a just a great week, and Ashley, if you would please give us that that sign off you're known for, the one that everyone <laughs> waits for at the end of every week, every episode of this here show. I got coffee on, so you better deliver it real quick.
1: Don't forget to brush your teeth, Harriet.